Are you ready? Ready as I'll ever be. Okay, let's do it. Welcome to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Welcome to episode 41. I'm Rocco. And I'm Ryan. And this is Destination Linux. This week, we are going to cover big, big news about... Huge. Huge news about AIM Messenger. <laughs> uh, more exciting news about the Purism phone, KD5, and much more. So stick around. So, Ryan, what have you been doing in Linux this week? Uh, I've been distro hopping. What? Again. I admit it. I'm addicted to you distro know we have a You know we have a number for that, right? <laughs> yeah, distro hopping anonymous. That's right. <laughs> My name's Ryan and I'm a distro hopper. <laughs> uh, I've been playing with Peppermint Linux. I know you know nothing about Peppermint. I don't know anything about Peppermint Never Linux. Never even heard about it, right? Never. Pl- Wait, is that the right way to pronounce it or is it pronounced cinnamon in Linux it's, world? It may be pronounced spearmint, <laughs> but... <laughs> 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 so I've been playing with Peppermint Linux. I loaded it on my laptop. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. You kind of get the best of both worlds. You get this LXDE desktop environment, light, fast, amazing. And then you get some of the XFCE paneling in there. Everything just works. So I hate it. So you hate it. So what you're <laughs> saying is you have an operating system that does everything you want out of the box. Everything you could imagine and more. It works fine. Yep. It runs great. Yep. Check. It's got everything you need. Got all the programs I use on it. They all run flawlessly. And you don't like it? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it a lot. It's actually, it's really good. But for whatever reason, well, first of all, not everything was perfect. The installation, there was some some issues getting it installed due to the Broadcom Wi-Fi that Let's just say I, I either had a really bad ISO burn or something, but it took me at least an hour and a half to get the thing installed, uh, doing some workarounds. But eventually got past those and got it installed. And Peppermint's beautiful. Everybody who's recommended it to me, they were right. It's a fantastic representation of kind of mixing two worlds and making them great. But I kept thinking about MX. Do you remember MX? Have you, you tried MX-16, right? MX-16, yes. Yeah. And it's, you know, MX, I didn't feel like I ever gave it enough time. When I installed it, We I think we were doing a video on it. I installed it on a secondary SSD. I played with it and I thought, wow, I love this thing, especially the installer. The installer is the best installer out there, MX has, in my opinion, because of one simple thing. At the very end, it asks you, where do you want to install the boat? the bootloader and makes it a very specific its own section and for me being a screwing up your bootloader is it's kind of a part of transition but especially when i was newer i really appreciated that when i didn't know any workarounds and i always ended up messing up my bootloader and losing the windows installer or whatever when i was just trying out linux and with mx it just makes it so easy to choose and other distros do too once you get to know what you're doing but they're not as apparent. And MX, if you're a new user installing it, is there. And then everything's just highly accessible. They have a fantastic installer that has, you know, their trusted, tried and true programs. 
but then they have their MX-16 section, kind of like how Arch has the AUR, and you can click on that and get some third-party you know, uh, software downloaded like Telegram and things like that. So MX was really cool. So that's what I've been playing with this week. And it, a little bit of a peek this way in the back corner, you may see the shell of a computer. And that is because the Ryzen CPU is on its way right now. Nice. Yeah. So that will be coming up. Well, I have uh, played around with Peppermint and I absolutely love Peppermint. Um, I have family members on it and it works awesome um i have played around with mx16 we actually had dolphin oracle uh on from mx16 way back early i think it was episode three uh so mm -hmm. maybe we'll have to have him back on to talk about uh mx16 or maybe what's coming up in mx17 who knows well that would be awesome to have them in there because i'm pretty sure at some point my desktop's going to go to mx16 well there's big news ryan What's the big news? Big, huge news of the day. This is going to, everybody better be sitting down, hold on to your chairs tight. AIM, AOL Instant Messenger, is shutting down. Oh, I thought the shocking news was that people still use it. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly the thought that goes through your mind when you read this article. I can't, I mean, like, really? People still use it? I mean, I still have the my AIM account. Because right. I never deleted it or anything, but I mean, I haven't used AIM in years. Like people actually still use it. You have your collection of AOL CDs you've kept forever. Right? Well, one of your personal prized possessions. Don't don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> you remember when uh, Philip was showing his magazines? <laughs> yeah, you've got AOL CDs. <laughs> you know. The, the thing that's important to talk about here, though, is that if you're still using your AOL AIM.com email address it's still going to work so alanis morissette rocks 2945 at aol.com still gonna work don't you worry right It'll be there so uh, i know right. that's one of your let's, favorite services. let's not spend too much time on aim i just thought it was pretty oh. pretty hilarious myself all right fine let's move on to something more linux centered here all right let's do it purism I hear they're not doing well. Like they're just, they're failing terribly on their Kickstarter. They've only raised like 1.5 million of their 1 million goal. It's how embarrassing. It's ridiculous that they would put out their own Kickstarter <laughs> on their own website, you know, not use any other product to uh, actually raise money and just make it like, you know, with, I don't know, 15 days left in the campaign, they just blew away the number. So it, it's incredible. I mean, this is their partner with Katie and no, mm -hmm. um, they this this to me shows you you know we've talked about this in the past episodes about how i just felt like between apple and android there really needs to be a third player and and this really shows you how hungry the market is for a third player i mean they've raised the money they raised it incredibly fast they met their goal and some of the key features of this phone do any of these features you look at interest you specifically I'm totally not interested in a private phone. I mean, I use Google oh, Chrome yeah, for crying Google, out loud. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I want trackers enabled, not disabled. Right? Uh, no, but some of those features like tracker being enabled by uh, default, privacy protection on by default, layered secure. I wonder if that means you couldn't install Chrome on it, by the way. You might not be able to install Chrome. It just yeah. might break the whole system if you try to install <laughs> Chrome. <laughs> 
No, but the the greatest thing about this is they're they're now up to one million six hundred fifty eight thousand at the recording of this video. That's incredible. Which is one hundred and ten percent of their goal, and I think it's awesome. Yeah, I am so happy for them, and I love when I, if you go onto their Twitter, the amount of people supporting them and congratulating them. There's a lot of people behind it. You can still get your hands on the device. You can pledge $599, still a lot less than the uh, iPhone or new Samsung devices and get your phone. But of course, you won't be able to receive it till January of 2019. So that's a little bit of a long time to wait. Well, okay. And that's the um, the risk in backing something like this. You, right. you, nearly never, you don't have any guarantees that it's actually going to come out. It sure. seems exciting and it is exciting. And... It's great that we're going to actually work to get this, but whether it actually comes to fruition is another whole story. We'll see. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that want it, man, obviously. Yeah, clearly. So there's some news in one of your favorite desktop environments in the world, KDE Plasma. KDE Plasma 5.11, baby. How excited are you? Not at all because you're on GNOME. I'm, right I'm on GNOME right now, so I'm really not excited. No, <laughs> no, it's always exciting to see KDE, yeah. you know, add these updates to it. And 5.11 is no different. It brings some great new features. So mm -hmm. it has a, a new design, a redesign of the KDE system settings area, which is so, it's been so needed for a long right. time. I mean, there was always that uh, white space area in KDE settings and it would never automatically adjust if you raise the window up or made the window bigger. Um, so it's got a completely redesign of the KDE system settings. And I think one of the biggest things it has is the notification history. Yes. We, we were talking about this earlier in the show, and I thought it was so funny because we both mentioned the fact that sometimes you would see those notifications pop up, Katie, and then you were doing something, so you didn't pay any attention to it. And all of a sudden it goes away and you don't know what it was and you can't find it back. So having that notification history, I think is pretty awesome to be able to go back. And then if you walk away from your machine, for instance, if somebody else uses your machine, if you have a shared computer and they don't care about those notifications, you could go back then after you get on the computer and see what was there in you. So I think that's an awesome uh, capability there, but there's more than just the notifications. What else do we have? In so this? what do you think of plasma vaults? I think it's an awesome idea. This enhancement allowing you to lock and encrypt documents. So now we can keep our show notes secure from all those prying eyes. I'm telling you, there is <laughs> such a problem that we have with people stealing our ideas, talking <laughs> on Destination Linux, <laughs> that this is this is like a great feature. So we won't have to worry about that any longer. <laughs> yes, they will no longer steal our super secure notes that we post with every podcast. But no, I think this is a great idea. Um, you know, there obviously are software applications you can download that do this. But having it natively built in where you can go and encrypt some files, especially if you deal with sensitive business documents or anything else, super useful, right? Yeah, well, I mean, there are programs out there that allow you to encrypt things, but this is built in. And yeah. uh, it's not something that I'm going to like readily use. Because uh, I don't encrypt my documents because I use Chrome. I mean, why would <laughs> why I need would to encrypt you? my documents? But, <laughs> Google already knows. Um, but either way, it's a great thing to have built into it. So there's also uh, app launcher menu improvements and folder view improvements. So I don't know, man. I think it, this is not like an earth-shattering uh, 
groundbreaking release, but it does add some great features to it. This is all that refinement. And one of the things I can't believe you skipped over was KWIN can now apply scaling based on pixel density the, for Wayland. The pixel pixels will be perfect. So they say. <laughs> I'll be, be the, the judge of that. You get your magnifying glass out like, no. no. I, I am going to have to try it out, though. I'm probably going to end up installing uh, Neon or something on another drive and are you itching for out. some KDE? I'm itching to try it out and see. Because, you know, look, I'll be honest with you. In the last couple months, two months, three months, I have not had much success in installing KDE and not having issues. I usually yeah. have issues in the last couple of months when I install it. And that's why I'm still running GNOME. But we'll see. It was interesting. Um, KDE's Twitter page announced this and there was a couple of people who replied back saying i really hope you spent some time fixing the bugs uh in there as well so apparently some other folks have kind of noticed some bugginess uh within kd well there is and you'll talk to some people and they'll ask you like what the problem is and a lot of it may be due to specific hardware yeah you know like i switch sound outputs all the time and they added in the last update uh an option in the sound settings to switch to your default sound settings right from the menu, which is awesome. Right. And when I had tried it, I switched to it and some of my sound switched to it and some of it didn't. So I had some sound like browser sounds coming through the headphones and then I had other system sounds coming through the speakers, which I had switched from. Right. So it was kind of, like I said, it was a little buggy and everything. So hopefully this well, works things out. We both had that issue at the exact same time. That was during our, our 3 a.m. migration, wasn't it? Yep. And I will say that um, go watch the Plasma 5.11 video. Michael Tunnell created it, and uh, okay. he created it for the KDE team, so go check that out. Very good. So Ubuntu, they don't get enough, you know, they don't get enough press. No. They're really, they're really discriminated against press-wise. But uh, they have, of course, are releasing finally... On October 19th, the 17.10 Artful Aardvark. And so if you have been missing out of the Linux news for a while and you're wondering, well, what does that include? Unity's gone, GNOME's in, 3.26, custom docs, Windows moving out of the way when you move your window toward the dock, which I love, by the way, streamlined system settings, wallpaper switching, notifications on the lock screen like you have on your phone, Linux kernel 4.13, switching to Wayland, it's all kinds of changed. So the question is, is it all good change or? Hmm. I think that is a highly debatable topic, isn't it? Well, okay. So we have to wait for the final release to come out before we make any judgments on it. But right. it is going to be, I think, one of them topics that is never going to end. It's You're, you're going to have people that love it and you're going to have people that hate it. And it's always going to be a heated argument. And you're going to have good points on both sides. Um, but either way, I think it's going to be one of those, you're not going to win. So, I mean, they've had the ability to obviously go download the beta version for a while now. I mean, the alpha, the beta, now they're in final beta. Do you think there's really going to be that much shock that's going to come from it? I mean, the people who are in the camp that hate it are going to be in that camp when it releases. Do you think there's going to be a whole bunch of buzz when it officially comes out where people are like, oh my God. <laughs> no, I think people's <laughs> minds are already made up. 
right. as far as those people that are in those camps. Like if you love it, you're going to love it when it comes out. If you hate it now, you're probably going to hate it then. I think the big test will be the people in the middle who aren't sure how they feel about it uh, when it comes out and how it installs. You know, like you had always said before that um, Ubuntu just works. So yep. is it going to be that same uh, distro that you can just take and install and it'll just work every time? Those are the those are the opinions that I'm looking forward to see how they turn out. And it will be interesting because 17.10 crashed hard on my main desktop while it was still in testing, which is important to denote. Um, and I think a lot of it based on the symptoms had to do with the Wayland switch. So we'll see how all of that works out uh, when it's officially released. Yep. All right, so we have another release. It's actually a uh, just a snapshot release. But you mean it's not Ubuntu? It's not Ubuntu. Oh Ubuntu God. is not the only release. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> All right, so Chakra 2017.10, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name. Go, mm -hmm. go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. Try to pronounce it. Oh, yeah, because you know I don't care. <laughs> uh it's uh, Go Fish. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I, know it. I know it looks like it's Godel uh, or Godel, but it's uh, that, that, that's what it looks like. It's Godel, which means it's probably nothing like that. It's probably nothing like this. Okay. Right. So uh, Chakra started out in 2006 uh, where Arch Linux users had the KDE mod packaging project and they wanted to... Uh, I'm sorry, they started the KDE Mod Packaging Project in 2006. So they forked this off of that in 2008, and they created Chakra because they wanted to be tightly integrated with KDE. So uh, on in August 30th of 2010, the first independent version called Chakra 0.2 was released. So now we are up to 2017.10. So with this new release comes Plasma 5.10.5 because um, 5.11 is just coming out now. So you have new versions of Xorg server and graphics drivers. You have support for Mesa. You'll also notice they're dropping support for Catalyst. What do you think? Um, it doesn't affect me, but it's an interesting move. For those one or two people that use AMD graphics? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Oh, wow. We're going to get some Oh, it's like going to be one. some hate mail wait. coming. Oh, man. Did you open a can? Um, it, yeah, it doesn't affect... This is kind of, to me, kind of goes through the whole 32-bit discussion again. Like, you, you, at some point, you got to stop supporting some of the older, older stuff uh, out there. But I'm sure that, that may upset some people. But I, I would imagine they've done some research to determine that the amount of folks that will impact on their machines. So they've updated the uh, Calamari's installer and their themes as well. So have you ever tried Chakra? I have not. The only time I've ever heard of Chakra is on Xena Warrior Princess, because that's what she throws. <laughs> but I've not actually. <laughs> Come on. No? Nothing? <laughs> Nobody? All right. No, I've, I've not used it. Uh, and uh, honestly, I, I hadn't heard of it before, but you have. Well, it's been highly recommended by a few people that I know, if you like KDE. So if you're a KDE fan, you know there's not a time where you won't find somebody recommending Chakra. I didn't actually have a chance to download it and play it or play around with it. I have in the past downloaded, installed it, 
But there, like the last time that I did, I downloaded it, installed it, and I was checking it out. And in the middle of checking it out, I had an issue on my main system where I had to test out what I was going to put on it. So I had to nuke and pave that um, partition before I actually got a chance to play around with it and make a video on it. Right. Um, so I didn't get a chance to play around with it, but it seems like uh, something that I would enjoy. Yeah. Well, you're on Manjaro now full time, so you're on the you're on the arch like bandwagon already. Yep. And so, is this a situation where you think you'll stay with Arch? I mean, when you distro hop again, where do you think it will land? Will it be with another arch like distro, or will you be going trying Ardvark or? Something it's like funny that? you mention that because I was just thinking about that the other day, and mm -hmm. it came to light like, okay, right now I'm running Manjaro GNOME, and I have no issues. Right. Um, everything's running great. Uh, not then. This has not been my experience with Arch or Manjaro in the past. Right. But everything's been running great. The only thing that like makes me would think I would want to, you know, go back to an Ubuntu-based situation, and I never really thought I would hear myself say this, but like I wanted to try out uh, the fork of Nihilus Mail, which was Mailspring, mm -hmm. and right now there's no package in the Arch user repository for it. Right. So I can install it and check it out, but there is a dev file, and I'm thinking to myself, this is like backwards. This is like Bizarro World. <laughs> right. It should be that it's in the Arch user repository, and we're waiting for a dev package. Everything's there, right? <laughs> but, but I don't. I think I'm going to stick around with uh, Manjaro because, like I said, I've switched before where I had that I had GNOME on, and I was had no reason to switch from it, and I did switch from it, and I regretted it. So I think. I have, I'm in the same position right now where I have Manjaro GNOME installed. Everything's running great. And unless I have some issue where I need to switch, I think I'm going to stick with it. So Chakra could be a contender, though, in the future. Could be. I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, it, yeah. But it could be, a, uh, could be a contender. Well, you know, all this talk about GNOME and KDE, and we really need an article about XFCE. So we XFCE, might have to wait. The greatest desktop environment oh ever released. Really? It, it doesn't require tons of tweaking because it was already perfect to begin with. Oh my As a Pulse God. Audio plugin 0 0.3. You have drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> it really is gorgeous. I love XFCE. But some of the features of this plugin is easier to adjust audio volume, extended support for multimedia players using Impress and Dbus interface, and more easily toggle the default audio input device, which is probably one of my favorite features of this plugin uh, that you can do. Because right now you kind of got to click on the sound icon in your panel, then you got to go to sound settings. Araka was showing off earlier and like, look what I can do. And hey. no. <laughs> <laughs> look, right? It's always been that way. Uh, where you, if you want to change outputs, you have to go into the sound settings. You got to do it for XFC. You got to do it for KDE. Uh, and that was what I was talking to you about that option in the menu where you could switch to default, right. but it wasn't working for me. And one of the main reasons why I went off of KDE and back to GNOME, but in GNOME, I can just switch outputs through an extension and it works perfectly every time. Right. So this is exciting to see XFC may be able to get something like that um, in the future. Sure. So this is not uh, completely ready for prime time yet. It is in, it is in the uh, dev stages, but we'll put a link to it. If you if you are on XFCE and you want some more sound options, uh, you may want to check this out. 
So this is getting into the territory where I feel like at some point you're going to go, I told you so in this next article. No, I would never do that to you, dude. <laughs> so we make fun of you a lot for Chrome and um, most of it justified. Right. But in the news this week, I started to shrink back in my chair a little bit thinking about this moment here after reading this article. Mozilla pilots clicks engine in Firefox to slurp user browser data so what the heck is going on at mozilla wait a minute don't you start freaking out yet rocco let let's just talk through what the heck is going on at mozilla dude (laughs) so mozilla apparently bought this company at some point or they're a big investor in clicks i don't know which but they they say that they're going to pilot this technology that clicks has with only one percent of its user and only its user base within germany but they're going to apparently start grabbing ident- uh, user identif- not user identification, but grabbing user data, browsing data habits. And then that's going to be sent to clicks and clicks is going to strip out all of the personal identifiable info out of that browsing data and send what's less, if you trust all of this now, to Mozilla. That's kind of how I understood it in reading. So what you're saying is we're watching The Wizard of Oz and the guy's back there saying, don't worry, don't look at the, behind the curtain. There's nobody back there. Don't worry about it. Everything yeah. is fine. Well, it only affects Germany. It only ex- affects 1%. And I love the update to this article where it says Mozilla insists that the pilot program will improve user privacy, not lessen it. Yeah. Really? Okay. Look, this is not a huge <laughs> deal uh, as far as it's not going to affect me. It is only 1%. And it is in Germany where I am not located. So it's not going to affect me personally. But it's the idea. It's the, as you put it uh, when we were talking in the pre-show, the philosophy change of Mozilla where they keep adding this stuff. They already do use Google Analytics for the add-ons. They We're going to have another article after this about Mozilla. They're adding this pilot program. It's just it, their whole philosophy is changing. I can no longer look at them and say they are the the bastion for privacy and freedom because they seem to be making decisions that are Googleish, for lack of a better term. You're right. And I, I don't understand why. So, again, it's a small test and we, we have you know fans in germany obviously so we joke when we say well it doesn't affect us if it affects anybody it affects you know everybody i don't really care about those people over there how dare you (laughs) (laughs) no Um, you're right if it affects anybody it affects everybody it's right it's ridiculous is based in germany so that's obviously why they're kind of doing their tests there but Firefox sends data. This is some of the data they're going to be collecting. Operating system information, hardware configuration, memory, basic info, which that could be anything. Uh, crashes and errors, outcome of automated processes, safe browsing and activation data. They will also send your IP address temporarily as collected in their server logs, but they're going to strip that out. Just of course them. they are. Of course you they know are. these people. They're like your best friends. Right. Of course they're going to get rid of it. They're like big brother. <laughs> they're like google <laughs> right so i know people are going to be really upset in the comments and be like oh you guys are blowing this out of proportion and it's just a small test and blah 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 but i i as a mozilla fan firefox fan you guys know that i've i've rode rocco and said oh you need to get on the firefox bandwagon 
blah, blah, blah. To me, this is a big deal. It's a philosophy change, as we mentioned. There, I know, understand why they're doing it from a business perspective. And I want to make that clear. I get it. You want to compete on Google's level. They're collecting data. They understand more details about their users than Mozilla does. And it's important that they're trying, if they're trying to keep up from a straight competitive advantage, that they try to be on the same playing field. At the same time, the playing field that you're entering is the very thing that separated you from your competition to begin with. So at the very least, I would say you're on very dangerous grounds here. And <laughs> uh, yep. pursuing this any further or even going forward with it in the current manner as the way it's explained in the article. And we know that news isn't always 100% accurate. But as it's explained right now, and I did go to Mozilla's site directly to read their comments, it doesn't look good just doesn't look well for me i use chrome so i realize that there is going to be a, a trade-off in privacy okay so you use firefox and for me to switch back to firefox what is the what would be the reason that i would switch back to firefox it would be for privacy reasons mm -hmm. because it's not like it performs better so everything i need chrome to do it does okay and it does it just as fast or faster than Firefox. So there's no reason for me to switch to Firefox or back to Firefox with the exception of the privacy aspect. And when you take that away, there is no reason for me to switch back. Yeah. And it's not like it's gone yet, right? There's a lot of things that Mozilla does. Um, for instance, this next article is going to completely... <laughs> it's going to completely change your mind. It's going to completely change your mind on it. You're, you're going to... Mozilla's... Mozilla is in the news for uh, changing their review process. So if this isn't going to win you back, I don't. Did you know Mozilla manually goes in and checks these apps to make sure you do not end up getting some malicious app, you know, extension in your web browser, like what happened recently with Chrome. You remember that story? I Rocco? do remember it. I do well, remember they it. manually check. So when you talk about security, they're the best. Now get into the news story. Okay, so... They're no longer going to manually check <laughs> the add-ons. <laughs> and the reason behind it is it produces a lengthy review process and a very big pain in the neck for developers who want to get their add-on onto the uh, Mozilla AMO and updates as well. So the manual check is going away and they're going to go to a Google-esque um, automated process. Now they still they say they're still going to check them manually after they get on the store. Right. But to get on the store, it's no longer going to be a requirement to be checked manually. What do you think, so man? We know that AI at Google works so well cuz that plain sentence that in that last news article that was like this is going to hack you practically uh didn't get caught. So we're assuming Mozilla has some special AI that Google doesn't have that will be better than that. Um, now, I'm not a big web extension person. Honestly, I think I have three web extensions total installed. So I don't go and, and install the latest web extensions and fill my browser with them, but a lot of people do. And if somebody's switching over to a distro and Firefox is the default browser, they may go in and then start looking at extensions and downloading new stuff. And some of that stuff could be new. And now you've got the potential for exploits and things like that to obviously hit and happen, which has happened with Google. Now, again, 
They're saying, well, we're going to check it manually afterwards. That could be too late. How many people could be infected in between? This was a big security advantage Mozilla had over Chrome, in my opinion. And now it looks like it's gone. Now, this is good for developers. Again, their focus is on business. They are clearly moving into we've got to compete and we're going to make decisions to compete, not necessarily go with what our user base typically wants. We're going to focus on developers because the world is about apps. The one with the most apps wins. So that's the decision that they've made. Love it, hate it, like it. I guess that's where they're going with it. So we'll see. But if I was already hurting, one malicious app in Firefox could literally really wipe them off the map. Yep. Whereas Chrome would survive and has. It seems to me that, like I said, the biggest problem is the philosophy change of we're going to make decisions. And I get it. I, I mean, like you said, it's a business decision. And not everybody's going to like your decisions. So it really doesn't matter whether me personally, I don't like their decision. They're going to do it anyway. And that's the way it is. But I think there's a whole philosophy change that is going down a very, it's going down the wrong path. It's going down the business path towards other companies trying to emulate them because they see that they're successful. Um, and I could be completely wrong. I, I mean, maybe they're going to be successful in this, uh, because. Yeah. Google's is successful in this as well. But I think you lose your, for lack of a better term, you lose your soul when you go down this path. So we'll or see. your core base to see. Now that we're all switching to Chrome, give me some good news on Chrome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how I feel about this. Okay, so Google okay. Chrome now uses okay. native GTK window buttons on Linux. So there is an article on OMG Ubuntu about it, and... I'll, I'll, to be honest with you, I used this to my advantage um, when I would have different profiles. So I have one profile, my main profile that I use, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you're going to have it. You're going to be able to change it, but this is the way I used it. I have uh, regular GTK window borders uh, when I'm on my main profile, but if I'm on one of the other ones that I don't use, but I need to check every once in a while, yeah. I'll leave it on the default, and that allows me to see in plain sight, the difference between the accounts that I'm on. Okay. So, um, it's a good thing that they are using it because that's one thing that always drove me nuts. I had to go in every time I installed Chrome on an operating system, I had to go in, uh, and change it if I didn't have my sync. So I'd have to go change that to GTK. But so it's a good thing that it's coming. It's just that, uh, for me, the use case is I need it to not work. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they're additionally, they're working on the minimize, maximize, and close buttons to respect the user settings. I imagine you could appreciate that. Of course. Yeah. So, I mean, Google's coming in. I, I really get this weird feeling. That's it. We just all need to go down to Google Chrome. I, I get this weird feeling that Google is going to be a unsung hero for Linux here. I, I don't know exactly. We talked about this on Friday Night Live about the Chromebook. Yep. I believe this coming out, you know, we're getting lots of publicity from a Linux standpoint because of Android and some of the things they're doing. Yep. People talked about, well, the games on the Chromebook, because the new Chromebook looks amazing if you haven't seen it. But the games on the Chromebook, even though obviously it has some Linux base to it, well, they're not they're not going to bring the big gaming companies in into it. So it's not going to improve gaming. But we talked about that with Michael. But I kind of thinking maybe they will because the big game companies, by the way, are creating mobile apps all over the place. 
EA, all of them have their mobile out, uh, apps out there. When Fallout 4 released, they created a mobile app game with it. So there could be some things with this, as much as we make fun of Google and stuff, where Google is going to start bringing some more attention to the Linux world. You know? Well, that's a good thing. I mean, it's, you know, w- w- there was that article last week about the 6%, um, and I don't think it's that high, but it all depends what you consider Linux. So I don't consider necessarily Chrome OS Linux. I, I mean, I guess it's based off of that. Right. But me personally, I don't consider Linux because I would think, let's put it this way. If I want to see a number of the percentage of sharing of the percentage share of Linux, I want to see it from an, from numbers from like Ubuntu and that. I don't really want to include, I don't want to include Android and Chrome OS. I want it to be where the Linux desktop is driving those numbers but hey somebody who's not had exposure to linux if you go up to them and you're telling them hey you need to use linux by the way your android phone uses linux yeah and they're a huge linux fan or android fan they're going to be like really okay now i'm kind of interested or your google chromebook os is based on linux so there's kind of some bridges there with some new user bases and probably that six percent as some people have alluded to included some of the android or chrome os stuff out there it's interesting because they could be one of these folks that help bring a lot of attention to Linux. And ultimately, once we get them here, we can all convert them off of that junk. <laughs> Something like XFCE, right? Right. Well, let's go back to Plasma for a minute. Do you remember right. the Plasma Vault that we talked about? Yes. Okay, so maybe the guy in this next story needed that. Oh, really? Maybe that's what they designed it for. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this story's crazy. Go oh, my ahead. gosh. So Russia reportedly stole NSA secrets with the help of Kaspersky. Is that what we came to the conclusion Kaspersky. of how you said Kaspersky? What, and what we know now. This is an article, article on Ars Technica. And there is so much information out there, so much misinformation out there. It's hard to weed through everything and get a real feel for exactly what happened. But uh, in any case, there was somebody that worked for the NSA who took files home, probably shouldn't have taken files home, and somehow they got into other hands, okay? All allegedly. All allegedly. The allegations are that somehow uh, Russian hackers through Kaspersky's antivirus um, saw or did a scan and saw that these were malware, found what they were, sent them back to... Russia, blah, blah, blah. And there's all kinds of conspiracy theories around it and everything else. But it, but you were talking about the, uh, the point driving this. What do you think the point driving this is about? You know, the biggest point to me is why is the government employees allowed to install whatever antivirus software <laughs> they want on their machines? Coming from a corporate environment, and I am not allowed to install whatever I want on my machine. It's extremely locked down. If IT says we use this antivirus software, we use this word program, we, those are the approved software that we use. Now you're dealing with the NSA here. And apparently you get a laptop from NSA and they're like, yeah, do whatever you want with it. <laughs> you know, you want to go install the web extensions in Firefox that are untested. Go for it. Go right ahead. Well, okay, this is an independent contractor that this happened to. But either way, you're right. There should be some protocol in place to say, okay, e- even if you're an independent contractor, this is what you're allowed to do and this is what you're not allowed to do. Exactly. I mean, we have independent contractors we work with all the time and they have to follow our IT policy. They have to follow our CP&I policies for customer data retention, everything. So you can't just 
you know, excuse them because, oh, it was a contractor working for the NSA. No, you still need to have standards that you set. And if those standards are broke, I would imagine there would have been jail time and all kinds of other things involved in it, like it would for most people. But, uh, you know, I don't know if these are true. All this is alleged. Again, we'll, we'll state that. But it's been uh, all over the news. And Kaspersky has been in the rumor mills forever because they're a Russian company that they've been feeding or having backdoors and all of this different stuff. Whether it's true or not, we'll never know. But I guess if I was somebody who used that software, I would probably you think <laughs> <laughs> just to be safe and maybe just some advice to the government switch to linux and get put some standards in place yeah uh, no this they've tried that and uh they switched back to windows oh that was that, <laughs> clearly. was, over, that was over there um <laughs> so look we've talked about all this bad news dude give me some good news will you how about nvidia 387.12 Vulcan versus OpenGL benchmark test. That sounds more exciting. That sounds way better than this whole privacy, stealing secrets kind of stuff. So let's talk about it. Well, I've been super excited about Vulcan. I know I'm not easily excitable, but Vulcan's been one of the most, you know, one of those things that I feel like could bring gaming into Linux as the most hope for it, bringing AAA gaming uh, into Linux. And so recently there was some tests done on an Intel i3, an i5, and i7 using a GTX 1060 playing games, Serious Sam, Mad Max, and Dawn of War 3, all of which support Vulkan. That's why they were chosen for this. And they did some tests between those two drivers, and Vulkan killed it. <laughs> I mean, killed it. So one of the most fascinating parts for me was the CPU usage drop between using OpenGL and Vulkan. Uh, and, and obviously the performance improvements were there. So it wasn't just a CPU drop and the performance wasn't as good. The performance was anywhere from, depending on the benchmark and what was being run, a few percentage points up to 60% improvement in performance from the graphics standpoint. But also in your CPU usage, you're looking at dropping from 37 to 25%. In some cases and on the i5, 24% to 17%. On the i7, 12 to 8%. That's a lot of CPU that Vulcan's giving back to you. And I thought that was quite impressive. What on, do you think? On top of giving you an extra, most of the time, 10 FPS. Right. So you're not only getting the CPU usage back, but you're also getting a, a small bump in FPS as well. And, you know, Vulcan is, we talked to Michael Larabelle last week. Okay, mm -hmm. and if you haven't seen that show, you should go check it out because he yeah. brought uh, a ton of technical knowledge about gaming in general on Linux and Vulkan. So how Vulkan will affect gaming on Linux in the future is kind of up in the air, but it's exciting to see these little improvements here and there because it builds on the whole experience. And, um, you know, like I said, you it's not a huge jump, but it's every little bit helps. And with the FPS and the CPU... It's a win-win, dude. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're trying to push your game and you you want to make the most beautiful game possible and push what's capable with graphics out there, giving people some of that CPU back or utilizing that for other uh, things within your game is definitely going to be an advantage for developers. So I hope more developers are taking notice. And like Michael said, we're still really early with Vulkan, so time will tell. Really, next year will be kind of a key time frame to see how many you know, game development studios and things start utilizing Vulkan and supporting it, but very exciting. 
So now that we've had some happy news, let's get right back into some ugly news. What's like, the ugly news? Is it okay to suck at games? <laughs> <laughs> well, we would probably be the experts in oh, asking yeah. that question. <laughs> you don't even have to ask it. We're the answer. It's completely fine. And we even get people to watch us play while we suck at games, don't we? Well, there was an article uh, at Green Man Gaming, and... It, it's a guy who plays games and, you know, he says, I'm bad at video games and it's okay. Yeah. So to me, I, I thought it was hilarious, you know, one, that somebody would actually bring an article up like this. Um, but two, it's real, dude. It's real. Not, you know, not everybody that reviews games, you know, there are guys that will go out and no matter what they play, they're awesome. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm not one of those guys. So I like to play games. But the question is, he also brings up: Should you even make videos when you when you're not good at playing games? Well, and again, he feels that you should because it's not always about, you know, you're the best player at this. Right. It's about just showing your experience and being able to experience it. And I thought it was a great viewpoint, man. Well, I mean, Twitch shows this all the time. There are Twitch streamers you can go to and watch who are professional gamers and. They're incredibly intense and serious about the game. And then you have people who are just as entertaining, have just as big following, and they're not very good. People go there for their personality, to laugh with them, to laugh at them like they do with us. Um, and, you know, generally just engage with individuals. So I, I think esports is bringing that competition into gaming at new levels, which I love. I love seeing esports on TBS and and cable television shows and it really getting some recognition. It's a lot of fun to watch those competitive sports, but it's also important for people understand not everybody's got the ability to be at that level, especially if you have responsibilities, a job, kids, those type of things where you can dedicate that time, but you still have fun playing games and you want to share that experience with people. And we don't want the gaming market to become closed in where it's like, Oh, you can't game. Well, therefore you shouldn't game type of thing so i thought it was a really timely article and i love the i love the title <laughs> <laughs> well i mean there are so many people like guys in the telegram group who will say hey i wanted to play rocket league with you but you know i'm no good and i'm like i don't really care you know like i don't you're care if you're for us. <laughs> <laughs> but it's those people okay i'll, I'll bring up michael tonell again because this is a guy who I started out playing Rocket League with, and he like kind of egged me on to buy it. And we have played over and over again on a you know every other night daily basis, and I'm terrible at it. And yet right. he is still taking the time to play and not <laughs> said there are. I have people who will say I won't play with you. You know what I mean? Because right. I'm not good enough for You're them, especially in as, now he won't play competitive, obviously, because I would like kill his. Uh, diamond status that he brags about now but um it's okay to not be awesome yeah. at video games you don't have to be awesome it's the fun that you get out of playing them so right. that's what they're meant for at the end of the day now yeah. there is some competition to it now which is great but we're not playing at that level yet yet we're real close <laughs> real close <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what have you been playing this week, man? Listen, I was looking through some of the news we pulled. I saw that AIM article, and I thought to myself, I need to pick a game to play this week that 
fits in with going way back in time to XFCE. So, <laughs> whoa, whoa, those were fighting words. Um, Star Wars Dark Forces. This is a game you have to play in DOSBox if you can imagine it's so old. Uh, it uses DOSBox to emulate this old classic Star Wars shooter. But if you haven't seen the new Star Wars trailer, it looks amazing. It is totally geek squeal worthy if you haven't seen it yet. Super excited about it. So maybe when I saw it out there on GOG, I thought to myself, it's $2. I've never played it. Let me go try it. And it's actually a lot of fun. You've got MIDI Star Wars music. So, I mean, what's not to love about that oh old my gosh. Star Wars music? It's a first-person shooter. So you're going around destroying pixelated stormtroopers who, true to the movies, can't shoot worth anything. I mean, really, <laughs> all over the place. So you don't have to be fantastic uh, to, to play it. I will tell you the controls are a little funky. You will have to do control F ones, the key, which will get you into the DOS box, box emulators, keyboard settings so that you can kind of play with those controls to get them to work for you. But once you've done that, it's actually a lot of fun. I, have I talked to you into buying it yet there? Rocco? No, no, you haven't. Yeah. Go on. Typ typical. Mm -hmm. typical. Anyways, if you love aim, you're going to love star Wars. <laughs> Dark Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even write, dude. Uh, All right. What else do we have in the gaming? Well, game? we have a game coming out, and this is not um, okay. So this is just a blurb we're going to put out there because we're not sure exactly where it stands. But Battalion 1944 is a competitive World War II first-person shooter, kind of like the original Call of Duty series before right. it got all crazy. Right. And there's a possibility that it may have Linux support in the future. So the devs had originally said that there was not going to be Linux support. Mm -hmm. But apparently there has been an icon of SteamOS uh, on the page on Steam for it. So that is supposedly saying that it has Linux support or will have Linux support at some time. Or could, but it could be just a mistake as well. So we're not exactly sure. There is an article uh, talking about this over on Gaming on Linux. I'll put the link in the description so you can check it out. Um, but it's a possibility. Right now, it's on Windows only, but this game looks really, really good. And if this came to Linux, it would be a huge game. It would be. It would definitely be up there as kind of like a AAA title. The gun sound effects are beautiful. The environments are beautiful. It uses Unreal Engine 4. They're using real-world technology or um, architecture from World War II that they're implementing in the game. They're using motion track and traction sensors on real human beings to really capture that fluid movement of the characters. Looks very cool. I really hope it goes to, and comes to Linux. So this falls under the may give my bucks if it has tux. <laughs> there you go. Well, this also it does away with uh, sort of the um, perk system where it's just, mm -hmm. it goes back to the original of you shooting other people. And that just doesn't, that doesn't like sound, sound right, but you having fun um, right. playing against other players instead of having a right. whole tiered system that you got to worry about. Yep, definitely. So, in other news of hasn't come to Linux, so who cares? But wow, player unknown battleground just shy of two million concurrent players. You know how they're going to get to three million, Rocco? How are they going to get there? 
port it to Linux. There, they, they, you'll get the three million. They totally would get there if they did port it to Linux. There's no question about it. I mean, when I look at my Steam friends list, I would say 99% out of the two people I have on my friends list are playing PUBG. There's no question. Yeah. It's one of the biggest games out there. It, it's not my, I don't know if it's a game that would interest you because I know you like those type of shooters, but it's very competitive you know you've got basically your environments constantly closing in to bring people closer and closer and closer until you're down to the final two who battle it out i have fun watching it on twitch i have fun watching people play it on twitch but it's not one of those games with the limited time i get to game where i'd be like eh, i'm gonna go pick that up because i know i wouldn't be any good at it right it's kind of like yeah i just you're you're literally competing against people who are playing this all day long every day with that said this would be such huge news if it ever did come to Linux. And maybe with the amount of people that they've already attracted and want to solidify that, just putting it in their ear there, port it to Linux. That is a staggering number, though, dude. Two million concurrent players. Yeah. That is that is ridiculous. But Incredible. it's not a game that I personally prefer because I am not a, um, a scavenger game where you go find things and and what you basically survival. what you do is you survival games yeah you basically get dropped into this area and the first part of you being on in the game is you searching for things like different yep. weapons and and then you go along and try to uh, be the last survivor but um, now it's not a game that I'm into but there's so many people playing it well I know a game that you're into what is the game that I'm into middle earth shadow of war Dude. It has released, man. Now you haven't gone into Windows to play it, have you? Um, <laughs> it's okay. This is one of your favorite games. You get a free pass here. <laughs> no Linux support on release date, but it is coming to Linux, so that's why additionally you get a pass because it is definitely one that uh, will be coming in spring, hopefully. Now there's some mixed reviews here that you didn't agree with, but I was looking through some of the reviews and people were mad about the terms of service, which your response was people read those. <laughs> I'm serious, dude. I saw it. Look, I, I loaded the game. I installed it. Uh, well, I preloaded it and I opened it up and the terms of service come up and I'm like, okay, yeah. except, I mean, dude, I run Chrome. Why do I need to right, worry about I'm I'm data. currently running Windows, and you really think I care about <laughs> if they're collecting data? I mean, they couldn't. That's minor compared to what Windows collects. Yeah. So I mean, well, when you say you're currently running Windows, what Rocco meant is he boots into it to play this game only. I'm yes. 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 Right now, he's not running Windows. No, I'm running Mandro GNOME. There right you now. go. Okay. I just wanted to clarify that we don't want people thinking this is going to become destination Windows. Yeah. Right. Well, so, but this game's got, you know, some negative reviews because the terms of service is collecting data. Supposedly in there, it says they can collect data from the users. Yep. Also, microtransactions to death, people are saying. What, what, are you, what have you experienced so far? Okay, so right now there is no microtransactions because it just came out. Okay, so I'm sure that they're going to, um, you know, add stuff to it that you're going to have to buy or that you may want to buy. But right now I'm just playing it and having fun. Where it starts out as a, uh, basically it shows you what happened in Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor, the first game. And then it just seamlessly launches into this game, which was totally awesome to get that to start out with. Um, I, there has, you know, you had 
mentioned about people have stuttering graphics. I didn't experience any of that. Um, it ran and played perfectly. Uh, and I had a blast playing it. So I don't know exactly um, what Maybe the problems are. Maybe they patched some of it or it's with certain hardware potentially. Um, I know you run an NVIDIA card. It looks like one of the people who complained said it was an NVIDIA card, but an older model. So uh, hard to say, maybe some compatibility issues. But by springtime, Windows users will have worked all of those out for us and we'll have a perfect experience playing the game. So um, I th definitely. I think it. it was worth it. Really? Yep. I th wow. totally think it was worth it. You're able to uh, change character swords and everything where in the first game you were, you, you had minimal areas of change your character you can change what he looked like that's it you know here you can change what weapon you carry um get new weapons as well so i think it was totally worth it nice well one of the games i'm trying to talk you into or one of the bundles i guess i should say i'm trying to talk to you is this week's humble bundle incredible value this week if humble bundle should be one of those sites you save to your favorites everybody should have it saved to their favorites number one a lot of it goes to charity you can select what portion of it goes where with your charities when you buy these bundles, which is really neat. I think that's the uh, best part about it. Absolutely. So, I mean, just from that aspect alone, check it out. Number two is I'm starting to see a lot more bundles with Linux games in there, which I love. And this is no exception. In fact, this is probably the, one of the best values I've seen on Humble Bundle. It comes with Borderlands 2, which is absolutely fantastic game. And Borderlands, the pre-sequel, which is very, very good. Not as good as Borderlands 2, but very, very good in my personal opinion. And those games individually are $29 to $39 a piece. You can get this whole bundle with everything included for 10 bucks. Yep. And the only other game that plays on Linux there is Worm Unlimited, which eh, looks like, I think it's an MMORPG that they took offline into a single player game. I don't know if it will be any good or not. It has mixed reviews. But just for Borderlands 2, or Borderlands, the pre-sequel alone, it's worth the $10. So go check out the Humble Bundle. 10 bucks gets you an awesome value. You can start loading down your Steam store. And I want to get Rocco in to some Borderlands because that <laughs> would be fun. I think you love it. Well, one update that I would, did want to say is uh, Rocket League also had an update so that the textures are fixed for Farmstead. Finally. That. So that map, we played it last night, and that map showed perfectly with all the textures right the the transparent gold posts were there so it looks awesome so just quick Very hit good. that's an awesome update so that's all the news special thanks to our patrons of course for the support all the listeners out there and rocco where can we find you this week well we're going to be on friday night live i can tell you that um it won't be special hat night but you can still show up <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. I won't be there at all. So you can show up on the um, Big Daddy Linux YouTube channel, and we will put a Zoom link there where everybody can join and just join in. It doesn't, you don't have to be a technical geek in right. order to join in. The whole purpose of me starting that was that everyday users, anybody could jump in and talk about their experience in Linux. And right. we usually try to keep it Linux topic related. Uh, sometimes it gets a little out of control, but uh, <laughs> we have to veer it back in. But it's usually Linux related. So if you want to talk to everyday users about Linux, I encourage you to join us. And uh, everybody is welcome as long as you have like a decently quiet environment and yeah. um, 
you know. It doesn't have to be perfectly quiet, but, you know, you can't have uh, chaos going on in the background because everybody's trying to talk and communicate and all of that. But if you do have chaos going in the background, then you could just listen. That's it. Yep. So where are we going to find you, man? Well, I am going to, obviously, I did the DaVinci uh, video this week on the 4K capture card, which is just awesome. So what did I have to do when I did the DaVinci? Well, I have to do a Ryzen build now to create a streaming PC. So <laughs> hopefully this week you guys will start seeing some videos pop up of me doing the build. I've done uh, builds before and how-tos, but I'll do a complete process showing the build from beginning to end. Now, it's not the Ryzen I wanted. I wanted the, like, the Ryzen 5 1600, but mm -hmm. the wife was like, you don't need another computer. I'm like, I only have six. <laughs> I have to have a seventh one. So... I, I convinced her on price to let me go ahead. So I only have the Ryzen 3 1200. It's not super fancy Ryzen chip, but if you know me, eventually I'll be upgrading that as we go oh, every few weeks until I get to that Ryzen 5 1600. Or more. The base uh, is there. The base will be there. All the expensive parts will be together and I can just start selling individual stuff and building it up. There you go. So we'll be doing some Ryzen build stuff out there. And of course... Hopefully, Rocco will play some Rocket League with me. He's falling behind on the competition wow. level. But, um, Rocco, tell everyone what happened when we decided not to stream our Rocket League. Well, this we is just... a fact, by the way. <laughs> we... This really happened. <laughs> not even joking. We, I told him, I said, the other I'm not going to stream it. Yeah, the other night we decided to play, and he says, no, we're not going to stream it. We're just going to play and have some fun. I said, okay, we're going to play and have some fun. <laughs> I don't think we lost the match, did we? We won everything. <laughs> <laughs> now I will say, Rocco, you're 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 you really were putting it to these poor kids. These kids didn't know what hit them. You were really doing well in the game. Um, I felt like I I was having one of my best games probably because I was riding on your coattails. But we were winning. We that were never winning, dude. When we record, <laughs> I don't think it's happened. Like, where was Ski when when right. we were when we were doing this one? You know, right. but now we I can see his comment right now. Yeah, right, guys. Nice try. Yeah, like, like your fish was this big, right? Mm -hmm. caught, no, no lie. We didn't lose a game that night, so uh, we did pretty good. But maybe, maybe this week, maybe we'll record some. When we record it, we'll lose everything. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> All right. So, that's it, brother. That's all we got, right? Yep. That's it. All right. So a big thank you to the Telegram group and each and every one of you guys who watch and listen every week. It's much appreciated. Everybody have a great week. And remember, the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast.